1: Welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's segment, we are going to do a recap of the NWSL Challenge Cup semifinals. North Carolina Courage and Washington Spirit will meet in the Challenge Cup final. We've got a lot to get through here tonight, folks. Thanks so much for joining us live. Before we get into everything, a quick reminder to follow us on Twitter for all news and updates at Attacking Third. We also have a TikTok and an Instagram now. Follow us across all three platforms at Attacking Third for highlights cool graphics breaking news and so much more once again shout out to everybody joining us live on youtube join the conversation in the chat we see you're already active and waiting on us we appreciate the time and patience as always hit subscribe at youtube.com slash attacking third
2: lisa lisa (laughs) lisa Sandra. We couldn't have written this up any better. I mean, I tried. I got to give a shout out to Motor City Sean in our chat right now saying that um, I had correct picks, which I did, but I could not have scripted it to go to that many rounds of penalty kicks. I mean... we just have to talk about it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> time out.
1: Time out. We're gonna dive in to probably. We're gonna dive into all the games, but we're out, out, we're gonna dive into to spirit and rain first. But I'm pretty sure that I chose spirit to take this, but you chose PKs. I did, and you, but, and you, but you
2: took the rain in that one. I know. I know. But but i still knew it was going to PKs. There's just too much drama. I was like, of course this is going to penalty it's because Lisa
1: said it would. I was like, oh, my goodness. We put it on them. We put the, the jinx on them. Listen, let's talk about the soccer. Let's talk about the buildup to this game. Let's talk about how these two teams were going head-to-head once more in a uh, in a knockout elimination type of match. I love this. I, I, before we get into everything, I just got to say this right here for me, rain, spirit. This is a rivalry. This is like an organic type of like origin story that you have between these two clubs and the fact that they tend to just keep meeting in these type of scenarios. This is the type of stuff that like rivalries is based on. Oh, it's not exactly. just sort of regional. I love that. It's the like two teams were completely opposite sides of the country. It's just such fantastic stuff for this one though, in the buildup to it, we chatted about it on the previews of this game. Lisa, we talked a little bit about the fact that all rain were the top seeded team in challenge cup. We talked about how there was overlap and frustrations and uh, event conflict in terms of where this semifinal was going to be played. Rain, unfortunately, unable to play at Lewin Field because of the CONCACAF <laughs> Champions League match that's taking place there. They scrambled to f- try to find somewhere else. The silver lining and, and 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 mutual kind of beneficial thing there was, well, what if we try to keep you both of these teams on the East Coast? OK, let's play the game at Field. Scratch that. We're not doing it. We're actually going to have it at Audi Field. There was a ton of buildup to this. And then they played each other just two days ago in the regular season all rain losing that one to one and then this semifinal coming down to penalty kicks holy cow let's start from the beginning when we saw these starting lineups drop lisa for example did anything stand out did anything surprise you did anything just feel right to you when you when you saw the 11s for both of these teams
2: I know this is our job, but I'm like, why can't we talk about the handball and the penalty kicks? But you're <laughs> gonna, right. We got to start at the beginning. We got to start at the <laughs> beginning. The starting lineups that rolled out. Yeah, we have to talk about it because yeah. there was rotation. And and in our preview of these matches, we knew we were going to see rotation. Um, a day ago, O.L. Rain and Laura Harvey put out that their injury report list was Zip not a player listed as questionable, not a player listed as unavailable. And then just hours before kickoff of this O.L. Reign-Washington Spirit match, Quinn, the midfielder, the engine for O.L. Reign is listed out, uh, which definitely changed things for O.L. Reign and Laura Harvey. Um, Quinn's a player that can control a game. And I hate to say it, I think it would have been a different outcome if Quinn was playing for O.L. Reign. So Quinn unavailable, That's a dagger in the heart for any O.L. Reign player, fan, coach. Um, and, And then looking at the starting lineup for Washington Spirit, we saw Ashley Sanchez get a start in the front line. No Andy Sullivan in the midfield as well. So starting sixes, defensive midfielders for both sides are out in Quinn and Sullivan. And I like seeing Sanchez a little bit higher up the pitch. However, I don't think that Washington Spirit controlled as much of the ball in the midfield without having Sanchez in there. It's almost like a double edged sword. To play her up top alongside Hatch and Rodman is where Sanchez can thrive, and she has so much more freedom and flexibility in a forward line. But she controls so much of the play when she is in the midfield. So those yeah. are the things that that stood out to me oh my gosh, off yes. the bat. And, and getting having Kelly O'Hara get a start as well because she was yeah. went out two matches ago with an injury. She only played 20 minutes in the last match that these two played in the regular season just last weekend. But O'Hara got the start and Emily Sonnet back in the back line for Washington Spirit as well. Listen, I, I looking
1: at those starting 11s drop. I I'm right with you. I I think in the preview, we chatted a little bit about this. We said that with the quick turnaround for both of these teams coming mm-hmm. off of that regular season opener to this Challenge Cup semi final. Player rotation is going to be something that's going to come into effect here for this match. Who is going to be available and and why? Is the potential for limited minutes going to be something that we see play out? And, And we did, as a matter of fact, end up seeing that with certain personnel on the pitch. But I think the fact that you had Andy Sullivan... And Quinn unavailable for either side of the ball. we saw, we saw the midfield kind of the, that middle third was just. Uh, I want to be as, as polite as possible here, but there were you, there were just some big key players missing there, and uh, it was a struggle. I think at, at times it was a. I don't want to know. I don't know if I would call it a game of real momentum swings by any means, but it almost felt like there were certain stretches of time during the regulation where either team struggled to really sort of take control of the game. I would say within the first 75 minutes of the match quite frankly because we saw some a uh, real real momentum shift oh. kind of come into play but these two headed into halftime scoreless it was 0-0 into halftime uh seeing all Ring having less of the possession at this point and uh you know watching uh, the spirit have more of it but not doing as much with it mm-hmm. quite frankly in the really good way half. to put it it's just it was like I said, it was just a real mixed bag for me of like who not so much of who wanted it more. Like it's it's very evident that both of these teams wanted to advance to the final. But there was just like no one was actually like biting their teeth into this match and taking control of it. Now, looking into the second half,
2: I think is when we started to see some of these momentum swings a little bit, right? Yes, I agree completely. I mean, possession wise, it just from the naked eye, if I'm not looking at any of my stats that I do have pulled up, but I'm not going to look at them because it it was almost as if OL Rain was controlling so much of the game. And when Washington got the ball, they were just looking to push, which created really effective chances and dangerous looks. But OL Rain was controlling so much of the flow of the game. And, and in the pregame, and and a lot of credit to Jen Hildreth and Ali Watt, they, they had a great call on this one. And the pregame, getting a little chat with Rose Lavelle of O.L. Rain about the last match against these two. And Lavelle saying, we didn't control enough of the game. I didn't find the ball as a midfielder enough to dictate the tempo and the pace of this game. And I'm going to do that so much better in this match. And that was a way pregame, like yeah. before warm-ups type oh, of yeah. interview that happened. And then as we watch this game unfold, I was keeping a very close eye on Rose Lavelle because she's a player that can change exactly how she's going to play. And that's what she did. She didn't, push herself so much higher, but instead dropped back to find the spaces in the midfield between Washington Spirits, Feist, Rotter, and Almer in in that triangle in the midfield. And when Rose gets on the ball, she's just so much more dangerous. But she wasn't getting the ball and just looking to go forward, which we see Lavelle do so frequently. Instead, she was being that playmaker. She was really dictating how the play went, switching from side to side. Um, The high press from both sides was really entertaining because it was just nonstop. Go, 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 go. Bethany Balser did a fantastic job uh, being able to drive the defensive shape of Rein behind her. So as, as the ball comes in to the back line between O'Hara, Sonnet, Staub, and Bogalski for Washington Spirit, Balser sits in the middle, and whatever way the ball goes initially, she cuts off the entire other side, which tells the nine other players, 10 other players behind her that the ball is going to stay on this left side of the field. That's where we trap. And that's where we win it back. And and Washington was incredibly patient in trying to build that out. And that's why there was zeros at the end of this, uh, at the end of the 90 minutes, but Holy cow, we got to give a shout out to the goalkeepers. I mean, Fallon, Tullis, Joyce, Aubrey Kingsbury, both sides, tremendous game. These two had a tremendous game.
1: I, uh, I don't, want to come on here and, and uh you know butter my own bread but look when we're talking about making predictions and talking about things when I had to write about this a little bit for cbsports.com I said that maybe the defense was actually going to be the stealing the headlines out of this match versus the attack I mean we've seen we've seen the highlights we, we cover this league week in week out my goodness daily sometimes it feels like right here on attacking third yeah. but but hatch Sanchez, Rodman for me, not really the stars of the show in, in this one. Uh, it, it, I think it really came down to sort of these uh, defensive shapes from from both sides, quite frankly, during this match. And then obviously with this game going to penalty kicks, uh, looking at somebody like Aubrey Kingsbury, not only making a couple stops, but at one point stepping up and converting a PK of her own this as we get third into... One.
2: Oh my goodness. This third- Third one. It's not like she took the eighth or the ninth or even the fifth or the sixth. Aubrey Kingsbury took the third penalty kick for Washington Spirit, which means that she was going to take one the entire yeah. time. Uh, also, Roosevelt took one. We, we had a conversation about that. Roosevelt had a penalty kick saved uh, just a few days ago when these two teams played in the run of play. This time, Roosevelt steps up and, and buries her penalty kick in this one. So uh, a lot of. Oh gosh, there's just so much so to listen, break down. But I mean, these goalkeepers, they did fantastic.
1: When I'm thinking of, of some of the end-to-end that we saw in this game, I don't know how much I could sit there and say a lot of uh, there was a lot of that. But this final 15 minutes of regulation, Lisa, Orang just refusing to allow this ball to exit the Spirits half and just constantly staying and keeping a presence in the final third here and we're building up and building up and building up and it just sort of felt like at any moment there was going to be the break of this bend and it just didn't happen for for this all rainside there was a moment right early in the in the second half where a uh, goal was you know broke through but it was called offside the the replay mm-hmm. on that just fishlock Wildly offside on that yeah. one in terms of, of the camera angle and the delivery. Uh, Alana Cook at one point looking like that counted. Quite yeah, yeah, she
2: scored it. She was like, "Are we
1: sure, guys?" Like sure about this. I loved the the body language and the reaction there. But these these final fifteen minutes, winning corners, winning dangerous throw-ins uh, for for the rain. And you just almost wondered what was gonna happen, but Aubrey Bledsoe making herself big, having at one a couple uh really big saves on on, on Bethany Balser, some one v one opportunity at one point, uh you know forcing a different angle from the striker going just wide, and you just wondered as the time kept winding down, and I kept thinking of you, buddy. I was like, oh no, Lisa's know. <laughs> Lisa's uh, Lisa's prediction's gonna come true. They're gonna go straight to penalty kicks, but. A very, very unfortunate moment that we absolutely have to spend a little bit of time chatting about, Lisa. We're talking about all of this movement and this action from OL
2: towards the end of the game, and that includes. Second half, Sandra. In the second half, fourteen shots for OL Reign, eight shots for Washington Spirit. That's just in the second half. And then when you look defensively, Aubrey Kingsbury had eight saves in the run of play.
1: Big, huge, big. We're talking about other big things, and that includes moments of high drama. Stoppage time in regulation here. We have a moment in which <laughs> we're many of us are watching this on the stream, unless, unless you were lucky and fortunate to be able to witness this game live. That's a little bit of a different scenario. But the angles that we were watching on this stream, Lisa, we see a moment in the box where a ball is played in, and it's a final attempt— for uh, a game to get put away in regulation, at this point, multiple substitutions have been made for the rain. Specifically, we're just going to center on them for the bit. We saw the return of Megan Rapino to NWSL action in this game. Laura Harvey in post-game comments, and we'll get a little more into that as well, uh, admitting to the fact that Megan Rapino was put into this game for penalty kick situations period yes confirmed and here we have a moment
2: a player coming back from an injury that probably can't run a lot like there's so Ugh. many different uh, reasonings behind that but a player that can knock down penalty kicks a, st- like a stop it. a stoppage time sub yeah. with a purpose yeah
1: and here is a po- the potential the potential for a moment to be decided in regulation and what we saw on the cameras, Lisa, I don't think it's unfair to say this at all, was we saw a clear handball Yay! in the box.
2: Talk to me as a defender. What's going on there? This is a 100% an obvious handball. You can even tell from the look on Anna Helferty's face after it hits her hand and her hand ricochets away from her body from the force of the ball. She looks like oh crap, I just did that. Like, let's just run. Let's just get the ball out because you never want to make that face too known because that's what the official is going to look at if they don't get a clear vision of what actually happened. And clearly this official did not. There was a lot of bodies in the box and this handball happened on the far side of the field. And this the sideline official referee was on the near side of the field so there's probably like seven or eight bodies in between the sideline official and where Anna, Anna Helferty actually hit the ball with her hand and of course on the replay we can see it clear as day as this is happening I honestly have no idea how the center official missed this. It's almost like just even if you miss it, you can see the redirection of the ball because as a ball that's being whipped into the box, all of a sudden comes to a slow bounce and Kingsbury can just gobble it up like, like a child hit the ball. No, it had to be slowed down. Somehow the redirection of it by the handball, this, this was a really big mistake A really, big turn of events that ultimately went in Washington spirits favor because it's it's a game changing missed call. A hundred percent. We, I
1: I don't think that's unfair to say at all about this moment. Uh, last I checked, I don't think you and I are going to be getting fined for talking about officiating in this (laughs) game. Uh, but there were, Again, we're talking about certain waves of the game, certain stretches of the game, and there were moments there where it you could just sort of tell, like perhaps this was it's a it's a high it's a high competitive match, it's a knockout there's a lot round, there's a knockout round game, and perhaps there's a bit of mentality amongst the officiating crew that listen, these are two top teams, it's a knockout round stage,
2: we're gonna let them play. You know, there's maybe there's these conversations. There, I think happened. there was that vibe throughout the entirety of the 90 minutes because there was some chippy plays. There were some calls being made, um, a, a number of fouls being called, but not being whistled until the third one happening. This referee definitely let these teams play. But that's a that's a handball. That is a 100% handball in the box. It changed the direction of the ball. It changed the velocity of the ball. It there, changed the outcome of the game. <laughs> it changed the outcome of the game, but not. you can't even like base it on that because rule-wise, we got to get our rules expert in here, but <laughs> rules-wise, it... It changed the direction of the ball, which changed the outcome of that specific play yeah. because there was runners in behind. It's a different thing sometimes when it's like the ball is just going out anyway. I kicked it out and then it went off my hand. Like there are so many yeah. different ways you can look at that, but that was a clear handball that was missed. And th- that I understand why Laura Harvey is pissed off. I, I listen, I
1: I respect uh the concept as an officiating crew that you understand that you're going into a highly competitive match that is, has knockout uh, that is a knockout game. That means that someone's it's winner go home and you want to try to call a fair game while letting the game play out. And there were some, there were multiple moments where you could see on both sides of the pitch that both teams We're expressing some frustration at some moments during this game with the official. You're talking about some questionable, you know, yellows coming out after the fact or or too late after the fact. I mean, my goodness, you're talking about a moment. We talked about this, this goal that was called offside, and this is a specific moment of the officiating that we can look at and point at and say, okay, this was a moment in which they huddled up, spoke about it. No goal allowed. It was offside. I do not understand (laughs) why you have a near game-defining moment like this in stoppage time of regulation, and you Mm -hmm. do not take the same consideration as you would have in perhaps the hour mark of the game. It was just unreal body language for me to sort of be at home taking a look at and view. I didn't want to hear it. Did yeah. not want to hear it. Blew the whistle. You're done.
2: You're it, done. You're done. As We're as going if, to PKs. Yes, it's almost as if, like his watch was going off. You know, like his yeah. timer was beeping, and he looks down and he's like, "Well, I missed the handball." This is definitely <laughs> so speculating. I don't know what happened, but the, but like that's almost what it felt like. Because how how do you miss that? How do you not at least talk with your both sideline officials and say, "Did you guys see anything that this?" Place is going crazy. Jess Fishlock's yelling in their faces. <laughs> Megan rapinos in his face. <laughs> I don't understand what happened. It was bad. Well, hey, listen.
1: <laughs> we may or may not know. Uh, hopefully, we had some. Hopefully, we had some. Uh, we have some great uh, reporters on the ground who can maybe sort of get a chance to to ask uh, pro referees about that. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. But th- that that was the scenario that set everything into motion mm-hmm. for penalty kicks. And of course, the penalty kick shootout wasn't something that was going to be easygoing. It was going to be... It was already high drama. It's already high drama when you go into a penalty kick scenario. Of course. But then you're talking about going to sudden death in a penalty kick situation. It, it was... It was insane. Did you have any moments throughout this, Lisa, where you were like tipping one way or the other? Because there's there's moments of momentum that can take place even in a penalty kick shootout. Were there moments where you're like, okay, Rain Rain have got this and and spirit and spirit don't? Or spirit got this and the and the rain don't?
2: So I love this question, Sandra. This is really tricky for me because watching these, I've seen Aubrey Kingsbury uh stop and be a goalkeeper against so many so many penalty kicks. And she always has this look on her face that is so determined, that is so badass, that is so, I'm going to take the third penalty kick no matter what. We're not getting to, to sudden death in these penalty kicks. I'm going to take one as a goalkeeper. I'm going to bury it, and then I'm going to stop all these other ones. And – she had that look of determination on her face, which gives me as a viewer a lot of confidence in Washington Spirit and in Kingsbury. However, watching Fallon Tullis-Joyce make all of these tremendous saves against these penalty kicks as a first-year player in this league, Tullis-Joyce is a player that has done her research. She knows the opponents that she is going up against, and she watches the run-up to the ball to which way the hips are moving. She didn't have it all on her face that, yeah, I can take any one of these players. It was, it wasn't scared though. It was almost just like a blank expression, which as I was watching this at first, I was like, yes, Kingsbury's got this. And then I'm like, wait, here comes Tellis Joyce just, no emotion and being able to stop all of these. Um, I'm not, I was a little nervous for Rose Lavelle to take hers. I was a little nervous for Trinity Rodman to yeah. take hers, just yeah. chewing on the gum for Rodman. I, there was, I was nervous watching this. Meanwhile, we got a whole other game happening too. Coming out the final minute I was freaking out. <laughs> I know, I
1: know. I was with you. I know you and I both had our multiple devices. We were like messaging each other throughout these games. I, I, I'm with you though. It's it's a high. It's for even those of us who are just watching it. You know, it's a high yeah. tense situation. I was like, oh no. I was like, you got to have your lineups. You got to have this. These scenarios prepared. You only the coolest under pressure can do this. And then you see these very young players taking PKs, and I'm like, oh my goodness, that's just a baby. Like Trinity Rodman. <laughs> is
2: just. I'm like, oh my god. And, and even Fallon Joyce this. Yep young player that is first year in the league and now has all this pressure on her shoulders to do this with with Megan Rapino on the pitch as well like there's just so many different factors that come into this ultimately it ends up being the longest penalty kick shootout in NWSL history it is also the first time a goalkeeper has taken a penalty kick in a shootout Um, and Kingsbury she shoots it third and she makes two saves. Uh, this is the first time Washington Spirit win in a penalty kick shootout um, out of their three that they have been in. This is the first one that they have won, and now Spirit go to their second straight final.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Elisa, uh, before we get into the next uh, semifinal. If you had to name a uh, a breakout player or MVP for this game, uh, who is it? Is it is it the obvious choice? Yes, it's Aubrey Kingsbury. There's no question about that, Sandra. Next question. <laughs> What's let's let's uh let's do the uh let's do the postmortem for for all rain here in in the Challenge Cup uh player for you that was maybe MVP of this team in the Challenge Cup.
2: Oh, that's a good question. Honestly, tell us Joyce. She had a fantastic challenge cup, um, really broke onto the seam and, and in the last match against Washington spirit, I I guess that was the regular season, but throughout the challenge cup just came up big time and time again. it, there wasn't one player for Reign that stood out because out of however many goals they scored, Bethany Balster is the only one that got two of them. Otherwise, it was yeah. spread out amongst players. There was a different starting lineup every single time Laura Harvey put her team out on the pitch in the Challenge Cup. Um, the consistency really coming from Tullis Joyce. I'm gonna yeah, say yeah. I, I like what you. I saw. From
1: her. I love I love leaning into two goalkeepers. You know, as choosing them for both sides of the pitch here. Uh, I'm gonna make a. A special case for, for Allie Watt as well. I really yes. enjoyed watching what she was bringing uh, for the rain over the course of the Challenge Cup. I'm excited to see uh, her continued development over the course. Just a of, taste. We just, just got a taste, taste for And now we're going to hopefully get to see what she could do over a regular season with the rain. But I'm with you, goalkeepers. Goalkeepers for me in this one as well. We've got one more semifinal to get through. And uh, there were some exciting moments there, I think, uh, to, for that we're going to have to chat about as well. We got Kansas City and North Carolina Courage for you all coming up next.
0: Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
1: Kansas City Current versus North Carolina Courage. We had the Central Region winners going up against the number three seeded NC Courage. Lisa, when we took a preview of this game for everybody, I think we both made the picks in this one. We we were high on Kansas City Current during the offseason and heading into the Challenge Cup. But when it came down to making a pick for this game, we both went the way of North Carolina Courage, and they are the victors in this one. 2-1, closing out this semifinal. A rainy, wet, soggy affair in Children Mercy Park at Kansas City. I just, watching it, I had a thought where I said, if I'm watching this and I'm having trouble seeing, yeah, I cannot imagine what it's like playing in this. If you're if you're one of the players on the pitch oh. in in a, in, a, in a high stakes uh, knockout game. I, this one
2: disgusting. I mean, watching that rain come down. There's so many different factors into it. I, I mean, yes, seeing is a huge factor, and then a night game in the rain. The lights that shine, they, it almost reflects off the raindrops, which creates glares across the field without anything in the way there, just the rain. So that happens as a player. Your jerseys are also incredibly wet and heavy, so you run a lot slower. Your cleats are just soggy and full. Like there's just so many factors that go into it, and I, I know that JP and Lori Lindsay we were talking about this on the call as well. There's so many different reactions to the turf as the rain is coming down in the fact that the pitch can either get really heavy and soggy and slow the ball down, slow the play down, slow runs down. As a human, you can't run as fast in the the rain when the turf is that wet. But if it's a lighter rain and the pitch is just slick enough, the ball moves incredibly fast. It skips on the ground. And the most difficult part that was happening throughout this Kansas City current North Carolina courage game is that the rain was fluctuating. It was pouring down really hard for minutes and, and spans at a time. And then it was getting lighter, which gave the illusion that it was maybe going to stop or it was going to stay light. So the ball speed was actually fluctuating throughout the 90 minutes of the game. And I also heard that it wasn't downpouring during the pregame warmups that really only started once kickoff happened, which changes everything. I mean, the elements play a factor However, both teams have to deal with the elements. So it plays a factor up yeah. until a point, and then you just got to deal with it.
1: I, uh, I want to start similarly as we did when we were talking about rain versus spirit. Let's chat a little bit about the buildup to, to this match. Uh, not a lot, not as much off the field action in terms of who was going to host and where, and if there were problems with stadium uh, logistics or anything like that. Once the seating shook out the way that it did, you knew Casey was going to yeah. host. No conflicts there. Children's Mercy Park, North Carolina Courage on the road. When we're looking at the starting lineups for this one, though, Lisa, I, when they when they both dropped again, when we were doing our previews, we're like. Quick turnaround, who's gonna be available, who's not gonna be available. I will for the North Carolina courage side of things, I was uh, really excited to see somebody like Diana Ordonez get the start in this match. Ordonia's having uh, you know, coming off of this CONCACAF qualifiers and really kind of, I think, uh introducing herself to a larger audience, right? An an audience that's uh beyond perhaps uh the American collegiate game, if mm-hmm. if the audience that watches that, or even just the NWSL for, for that matter. And uh, with the quick turnaround, I think, again, we knew we were going to see some player rotation. So to sort of see her get slotted in with, Smith on the bench I, I was okay with that I'm, I'm very uh, excited with what we're seeing from somebody like uh, Taylor Smith this year but uh, giving a player like that a shot and tasking a young player with a start in a knockout game I think is a huge vote of confidence I think for that type of player and I think we saw that out in the pitch today from her and uh, I think on the Kansas City side of thing, I think you and I could both agree seeing Mace available off the bench I think was a plus but knowing that maybe she was able to go a full 90 was going to be something that was going to impact kansas city side of things what were some of your impressions when you saw these
2: 11s you're exactly right for kansas city it was Haley mace that's exactly who i keyed in on when i saw the availability report and at that point i was thinking that mace was going to start that we a player that is on limited minutes it's It depends on the training staff and what they want to do and what's best for that player's recovery. But a lot of times it's you do the entire warm-up and then your body's warm, your muscles are ready to go, you feel good, you start the game, and then you can come out whenever. So to not see Mace in the starting lineup, um, I was a little bit surprised to see that as well. But when we look at Matt Potter's side for Kansas City Current, he went with a three-back in in this match, whereas he switched throughout the Challenge Cup, but most recently played a four-back against Portland and that didn't work in the regular season. So I see why he switched here, but having a rookie and Jenna Weinbrenner out on the wing. He's pushing Alex Luera, who has been a center back throughout the Challenge Cup, higher up the pitch. She's playing in that six role for Kansas City because she has such great distribution of the ball. When she has it at her feet, she can find her, her players, and she's a really good passer. So he moves her higher up the pitch just to create a little bit more possession for Kansas City. And sitting in alongside Desiree Scott, it seems like a good battle. I actually really liked what we saw from Alex Luera throughout this match. But um, uh, also Victoria Pickett for Kansas City getting the start. I was really pleased with that. I know you mentioned Diana Ordonez for North Carolina Courage. I I love watching this player. I'm really happy she got the nod at start. And also Gray in the midfield. Um, She got the start alongside Speck, O'Sullivan, and Dabinia in that midfield box unit for Sean Nejas. And I like what I'm seeing from these players. There's no Pickett. Uh, back for Kansas City, but Merritt Mathias and Jalen Daniels out on the flanks for North Carolina, which has been usual uh, to see them there. So, um, uh, but yeah, Haley Mace was probably the biggest one for me seeing her availability. <laughs> yeah, same. I, I think. <sighs>
1: it caused some fits uh, immediately for, for Kansas city. We're talking, it took just under 20 minutes for North Carolina to uh, go ahead and get the breakthrough and, and sort of uh, crack open this, this goal score, but it came by way of a penalty. Maybe that was a little bit of foreshadowing for the other match that was happening right alongside of it. Both of these games only separated by a, a half hour of, of kickoff time here. Uh, but listen, let's, let's center in a little bit about how this came to life. Brazilian international. Caroline Nicoli just just causing fits, just causing fits on the pitch, rain or shine, quite frankly, winning the penalty here in this match. This is the third penalty in the Challenge Cup that this player has earned for her club already and now doing it in a knockout round scenario. Just you could just see it in this player that she's going to be causing some headaches for back lines across the league as the regular season continues to get underway. And this sort of this sort of just sort of magical partnership between her, Caroline and and her compatriot in, in the Vina. Just you go out there and you go win those PKs. And you know what? I'll step up
2: and I'll just <laughs> put them away. Like what? If- that, that's exactly what happened because Caroline gets it. She draws it's the third one. As you mentioned, she draws in the Challenge Cup. This is the third one. Dabinia has taken. She went two for three in knocking down those penalty kicks. But Dabinia scored her fifth goal in the Challenge Cup uh, in this match. That's the most uh, in history for Challenge Cup. So congratulations to Dabinia there. love some fun facts, stats for everyone. Um, But the... Caroline is going to continue to draw penalty kicks and Mm -hmm. it is because she is fearless with the ball in the box and defenders don't know when to step on her because as a defender, as if there's a forward doing a lot of stepovers trying to get around you, trying to get a cross in or a shot off or to lay the ball off, and you're already inside the box, you can't let that happen. You can't let the shot cut off. You can't let the cross get off, or you can't let them make a pass. So as a defender, you have to step at some point and try to make that tackle and go in hard, slide, tackle the ball out, do something. But because Caroline is so quick with her feet and she just dances on top of the ball, she gets out of it. She actually flicks the ball over the defender's feet Nine out of 10 times, if you go back and watch it, it's so impressive. And because of that, then the defender fouls her. So this is going to be a theme throughout Caroline's reign in the NWSL, drawing penalty kicks. And then, of course, Dabina to just step up behind her and, and be able to nail them down. I mean, you could see it as soon as it happened. Caroline knew, like, yep, I got a penalty kick. And Dabina was like, yep, I'm going to put it away. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and and you know it just nineteen minute, right? This is this is very early in, in the game that the build up to this this penalty kick, but then you also have this sort of this go ahead goal that takes place for the courage just past the half hour mark. We see this awesome sort of sliding run into the box by Ordonez to sort of just get like a shin guard on it, right? And it just finds its way into the back of the net to give. The courage, a two-zero lead, and I listen. Maybe, well, maybe it was just the crummy weather or knowing the, the injury reports ahead of this game. But I felt for Kansas City in this moment. I felt like that first half was a little bit more even at, at times than, than the scoreline actually alluded to when you're looking like you, – let's say if you have both games going on, you just happen to check in on what's going on in the Courage, and you're like, oh, 2-0? Like they're, they're putting it away. But, exactly. you know, we're looking at some of these first-half stats. You're talking eight to nine shots. You know, the courage just winning the edge in that three shots on target for KC versus four from the courage. Just I don't know if I would want to sit here and say unlucky, but uh, it just definitely felt maybe like the game in the first half was a little bit more even than the scoreline alluded to. And I had wondered going into the second half if maybe a little bit of, you know, okay, let's regroup. Let's hit the reset button. Let's see what happens in the second half that maybe that would have benefited uh, uh, Kansas city. And, And we did see them get one back.
2: Yes, ultimately we did. I, th- I think the first 45 minutes, it is a bit deceiving to see the scoreline and and kind of see how the match unfolded because Kansas City had a lot of really good possession. They had a lot of really good moments. They were creating opportunities. They were being quick in their attack, but then also being patient in the buildup in those moments when they needed to. But it was sloppy mistakes. The first goal that uh, came from the penalty kick, it was turned over out of a sloppy misplay in the back and Caroline was able to pick it off. And and yep. then she's already three quarters of the way down the field, just 20 yards outside of the 18-yard box, and that's how she draws the penalty kick. So it was mistakes that North Carolina was able to capitalize on, which – has been an incredible theme for North Carolina throughout the challenge cup. And, and really what we're seeing is that they don't get as many chances maybe as other teams, but they sure do put them away and they sure do capitalize on moments when other teams are on their heels. And that's what we saw heading into the second half for this match. Um, it, Things changed a little bit because Kansas City was down 2-0 at the halftime. They needed to switch momentum. They needed to change what was happening. A slew of substitutions happening, one of them being Haley Mace coming in. Um, and one of them also being Lola Bonta coming in, these two players, Mace and Labonta, that changed things for Kansas City because Mace and Labonta can control a little bit more of the ball possession tempo that Kansas City is looking to have, whether it's swinging the ball from one side to the other or moving the ball from back to front of the field and getting higher up the pitch here is where Kansas city created a lot more chances and they had a lot more moments of opportunity that you asked me before about momentums and waves and games throughout the second half. There was a lot of, waves where i thought kansas city was going yep. to get one and, and not necessarily incredible shots that were just missing or that caitlin Rowland was just saving i mean she did have incredible saves yep. but it was more just like they had so much possession and they had so much momentum that it was almost just waiting for it to come and ultimately yep. it did kansas city did have a breakthrough and they were able to get one goal back on north carolina's too
1: yeah, and it came via substitution, quite frankly. Yeah. Like things like that, like you know player personnel, m- mid game adjustments are are the things that could perhaps sort of turn or change those waves of, of momentum. And we saw Addie McCain come on in for uh, Elise Bennett. And just a few moments, just minutes later, uh, connecting with Kristen Hamilton for to try to get one back. In the and you knew it was going to be
2: Kristen Hamilton. You knew it was going to be Hamilton.
1: I mean, at this point, who else is it going to be in the game?
2: <laughs> at least yeah. Bennett got subbed <laughs> out. <laughs> and we're
1: talking about injury reports, right? And and how it's impacted all of the teams. Quite frankly, all final four of the clubs in these Challenge Challenge Cup semifinals. Yeah. But you know, whether you're, we're, we're talked about. Kansas City, but, you know, also on the courage side uh, side of things, they've been they've been without uh, Casey Murphy, uh, Carson Pickett, who was outstanding for them in, in 2021, uh, sort of navigating her way through some injury right now, Kiki Pickett as well. And then seeing, knowing that Lynn Williams is out for the remainder of 2022 with a season ending injury and Sam Mewis is currently navigating a right knee injury as well. These are two big pieces for mm-hmm. for this this current side where maybe if you're looking at the roster and and perhaps you're a neutral viewing this game, you're like, well, who is going to come in and, and be that person? for the current to try to come in and in a knockout round situation and try to maybe turn the game around a little bit. And for this one, it was, was Eddie McCain quite frankly right. coming on into, to, to get this done. Uh, but unfortunately it just, maybe kind of came too little too late the goals time was not on the side of Kansas City current which I think maybe is what we should chat a little about for their post-mortem in Challenge Cup because they are now officially out their focus will be on the regular season but it just sort of felt again we're talking about waves and shifts of momentum that maybe if there was a little bit more time left in this game we would have possibly seen something else happen via the via the current but uh, we just didn't didn't see that play out and
2: 2-1. I agree completely with that because poor Kansas City. I mean, this is a team that Last year, uh, I had no hope or faith in them. I, I mean that lovingly, Kansas City, and they made so many great off-season changes and and movement around. And even at the start of the Challenge Cup, we were high on them and and we were excited for what Kansas City could do. And then to watch them throughout the Challenge Cup, uh, almost just run through the central region and and say we're here and we're going to make a name for ourselves. Uh, but they're they're just missing. The, the extra pieces and, and maybe that'll come with time. They have a lot of young rookies and a lot of good talent in those rookies, whether it's Weinbrenner or Luera or Bennett up top Rodriguez, they have a lot of good pieces, yes, they but they just need a little bit more time. So maybe playing in the challenge cup and going up against the same competition, uh, twice in a short period of time really helped Matt Potter to be able to assess what his team needed to do better and, and what they could grow upon. And they have an entire regular season ahead of them, minus one game. So future is still bright for Kansas city. This is by no means a funeral for them at, at yeah. all, but North Carolina was the better team in this scenario. Caroline is fantastic. Her yeah. and Davinia together are just incredible to watch. This team's going to go on a run this year we'll, we'll, we'll see just to close it out for for kansas city similarly
1: like we did with uh with spirit and the rain when you're looking at kansas city who was maybe the mvp or breakout player for you for kansas city during their challenge cup competition
2: um i really like alex luera Yeah. Um, I could say Kristen Hamilton, but she's a player that I know is really good. And that has always been really good. And she will always put the team on her back, but maybe, maybe Al- MVP for her and yeah. break off Al- for Al- Laura. Al- fantastic yeah. player, a rookie coming into Kansas city and she played in the back line and she did a tremendous job. And then even moving her into the midfield, she was able to do so much and control so much of the game. And as a rookie, that's really hard to do, especially when you're going up against a box midfield in North Carolina, even in this match in particular. I'm very excited to watch Alex Luera throughout this rookie year for her.
1: Yeah, I feel you on that for sure. I think if I'm looking for Kansas City Current during their Challenge Cup, Yeah, MVP, Hamilton, for sure. Uh, She has been someone that they have relied on uh, since they got her midseason last year, and it's just the continuation of that in 2022. But I really, really have enjoyed what we've seen out of Elise Bennett for the current, a player who had an opportunity, quite frankly, and, and unsure if we're seeing this much of Elise Bennett if a player like Lynn Williams is available and healthy for Kansas City. But... That's soccer
2: sometimes for and, you. And uh, we and got to do anything, some really good stuff. That says more about Elise Bennett in in a player that probably knew she wasn't going to get a lot of time. And then the opportunity presented itself. And she has taken this opportunity and ran with it. Huge props to Elise Bennett for that.
1: Absolutely. 100%. We're looking at North Carolina Courage. They are moving on. No postmortem for them yet. But when we're looking at perhaps their group stage and this semifinal, who's, who's the – who is the – a breakout player for you or who's MVP for this North Carolina courage side? Well, I have play. a feeling we're going to say the same person,
2: but I'm going to say Caroline for breakout.
1: or MVP. Yeah. yeah both. I'm, I'm going to say for both too. <laughs> I have enjoyed watching her play so, so much during the challenge cup. It's uh it's been exciting. I think there's something about, obviously I think you could make the case for, for the Vina, um, but mm-hmm. she has become just this integral essential player for the courage. And uh, I don't know if uh, you could have told me five years ago that a Brazilian international was going to come to North Carolina and become – this sort of integral face of the franchise type of player, I would have been like, stop pulling my chain. You just know yeah. that I'm here and I'm hyped and I get excited for all Latinas in the league. And then just, just stop yanking my chain. But that's where we're at. And this is the type of player who just sort of rises to these occasions, loves a big stage, loves a big sort of knockout game. And uh, I love what she brings to this team and uh 0 percent shocked that she ended up on the score sheet to close it out. So we will see. We've got Washington Spirit versus North Carolina Courage for the Challenge Cup final. Two teams coming out of the East region. Who would have thought? Here we are. I love it. I need to let everybody know before we close out this episode, we are going to have a live pregame show May 7th, Twelve thirty to one p.m. Eastern before the Challenge Cup final kicks off with Lori, Lindsay. and we're going to be there for you in the post game as well. We love hanging out with you all. We love doing the live reactions. We love doing the live show. So make sure that you join us for the Challenge Cup final on May seven. Thank you all. So much for listening to Attacking Third. As always, you can follow us on Twitter and now on TikTok and Instagram at Attacking Third for so much more. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you listen to your shows. We're also available as video. Hit subscribe at YouTube.com slash Attacking Third. If you have any questions for us, I'm going to tell you how you can get them answered because I know folks always join us on the lives and want to hit us with questions. But here's how you actually get them answered. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with your question. And Lisa and I will answer during a mailbag segment on Attacking Pills. And Lisa and I will be back Wednesday following all kinds of NW assault action. We're going to be back to cover so much more for you all. For Sandra and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Pills.
0: wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats.